Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. this story is when you heard this story. When Fox News came out with the story that in the state of Indiana, parents had their child removed from the home because they wouldn't use pronouns. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is a case regarding the Supreme Court where it's an appeal to the Supreme Court. They, this, this, this couple, this family, was investigated by Indiana Department of Child Services as reported. They refused to refer to their son using pronouns in a name inconsistent with his biological sex. That's how it is reported. Lawyers, of course, have been hired. The case is ongoing. The son says that he identifies as a girl. They're Catholics like, no, no, this isn't, this is not happening. We're not going to use those pronouns. We're not going to use that name. You have a name. The parents say their son is dealing with an underlying mental health issue, including an eating disorder. Indiana starts investigating in 2021. Allegedly a report saying they were not referring to their child by his preferred gender identity And they removed the child from their custody, placing him in a quote-unquote gender-affirming home. Now, I heard about this story when you heard about this story. So I've had a bunch of people saying, why aren't you talking about this? I heard about the story yesterday when you heard about the story. If there isn't a statement from Governor Holcomb, if there isn't a statement from the Attorney General, Todd Rokita then I don't know what we're doing. I want to know what the story is here. And I want to make sure I understand this. Is this, as reported, the situation that the Indiana Department of Child Services removed a child from a home because the parents wouldn't use pronouns? If so, Indiana Department of Child Services needs to be disbanded. I would argue some people need to go to jail. Now, you say to me, that's a bit extreme. Extreme is taking a child from a home because of pronouns. Parents are in charge, and sometimes the pronoun doesn't get used. Why? Because your boy is not a girl, and your girl is not a boy, and you do not feed in to the mental issues. I want to understand what parts of this story are real, as described, and what parts of this story are not accurate. I'm not saying that any part of the story is inaccurate. I want to make sure I have it understood. 
But if the state of Indiana is taking children away from parents over pronouns, to hell with the leadership in the state of Indiana, I think we should fight aggressively. I cannot tell you that Governor Holcomb is even aware of this. I would have no way of knowing. But producer Carlo is going to start calling and he's not going to stop. Every hour he's going to call and ask for a statement. And Eric Holcomb's office of children who don't know how to say anything are going to give us a response. Just need a response. Is this story real? Now, the attorney general's office, uh, I, I, will, I will reach out to. I'm sure Carl, producer Carl, will reach out to as well. If we take children from parents because of pronouns, Indiana is California and it's over. We might as well just move. Or, or um, maybe some elected officials need to resign. And certainly the Department of Child Services needs to be disbanded. Oh, I understand, guys. You talk like this, they'll come after your kids. I understand. But these are the facts. And the people who believe that children should be taken from parents are abusers. And I think you should fight the abusers. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. very sad situation and he's very brave he was a very brave guy because he went back he could have stayed away and frankly probably would have been a lot better off staying away and talking from outside of the country as opposed to having to go back in because people thought that could happen and it did happen and it's a horrible thing but it's happening in our country too Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways. And if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I got indicted. I never heard of being indicted before. I was going to. I got indicted four times. I have eight or nine trials, all because of the fact that I'm and you know this, all because of the fact that I'm in politics. They indicted me on things that are so ridiculous. uh, Fanny in Atlanta. Uh, First things first. Of course, you've heard about being indicted. You are doing real estate deals in New York in the 80s. Of course you've heard about being indicted. I will not listen to this. I will not have it. You should be laughed at for saying, I never heard about indicted. Okay. Uh, If you didn't, you were doing better drugs than a lot of other people in the 80s. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. People are very bothered by this this turn uh, President Trump is making. He did this town hall last night on Fox with uh, with Laura Ingram. This turn where he takes the conversation about Navalny and he makes it about himself. I think that what is important to note here is this is how a lot of Americans see what's happening. And to not recognize that, to not recognize the weaponization of the nation against you is uh, sur- surreal. It, it, it is not a, a populist message to say this. You take a look at how the, the IRS was utilized against the Tea Party. You take a look at how the DOJ went after parents 
you, you, you take a look at how these indictments laid out and when they laid out, and clearly are election interference. That's not a populist message. That's observational. Everything about these indictments is meant to interfere with the election. Everything. And I would look at anybody who wants to claim a mantle of conservatism who said otherwise and laugh at them. I would look at any progressive who said this is is just when it all laid out. No, this is when they laid it out. Of course, this is an abuse. I don't claim Trump's innocence on everything. There are some cases that are nonsense. What just happened in New York with the Attorney General, Letitia James, who is who is an abuser? Nonsense. This three hundred fifty, four hundred fifty million dollars, depending on how you you want to look at the numbers. Uh, fine. Oh, he's going to have to sell the buildings. They're going to seize the the Trump Tower. Oh, okay. You, you think this is uh this is justice? This is abusive, and everybody sees it. And the conversation that people are questioning whether they should invest in New York is it Remington that just left? Didn't Remington, uh, the the gun manufacturer, just leave New York? Yeah, that took place uh, this this week. Leaving New York, they're going to Georgia. I'm only sorry they're not coming here. Within five years, will anybody be engaged in Wall Street on actual Wall Street? What's the point? A state that hates you, a city that hates you, a city that can't keep itself clean. A city uh, and a state that proudly go after people they politically disagree with. Hey, you've got Cynthia Nixon. Go enjoy. You got the sex in the city check. You, you, you go run your state. Who would stay? Why stay? I understand that people really like the idea that you, you don't just move, you stay and you fight. There are places that are worth it to stay and fight. Indiana is worth it to stay and fight. This state has a long way to go. And clearly, having a supermajority in the General Assembly for the political right doesn't actually give much benefit. We've got delays on the blue line vote. Now we're going to somehow find our way clear to allowing this mile square tax district. I'll get into both of those things coming up. Because the blue line should be disbanded. There should be no bustle-only lanes. And absolutely, the General Assembly should know that we should fight these people who want to flat-out lie and manipulate. Oh, and are bullying business owners all over Irvington and other areas. You know, Scarlet Lane Brewing uh, is uh, closing in Irvington. I am sorry to hear it. They took over the Blackacre Brewing uh, Company. Uh, They're closing. It's been a year. If people of Irvington or people of of that side gonna gonna tell me it's because we didn't have a bus only lane, I don't I don't I don't think that was it. But there is no doubt, there is no question that Trump is being abused here, and there are people noting, look at the abuses of government. Navalny 
should not get lumped into this if only because it can be seen as an as a diminishing of Navalny himself. Now, for the people who have been emailing me, well, Tony, you really should be changing how you talk about this. After all, he's a CIA plant. Guys, you bring me the CIA paperwork that says Alexei Navalny was a CIA plant, I'll call him a CIA plant. Otherwise, and I mean this with all due respect, stop it. Not everything is some manipulation. I have got the political left telling me that everything regarding Hunter Biden's laptop is just Russian disinformation. They're still saying it. No. Hunter Biden uh, was a drug addict. Hunter Biden was using the family name to get dollars routed, promising access. 10% went to the big guy. I have got data and I've got bank accounts which is why I've always wanted an investigation. I have the left telling me it's all just Russian disinformation. Now, Alexei Navalny gets killed and he's a CIA plant. Could we please have five freaking minutes of normal? What is happening to Trump is wrong. And I think is why you see these primary numbers the way you do. Again, that's not a general Work cut out for you right there. You better be willing to do the work. Not just complaining, doing the work. You are not Navalny. You're not. And I think you should separate that out. But there is no doubt that people taking a look at what's happening in America have an argument. And the dismissal of that argument is foolhardy. I would classify this as a Second Amendment success story, and I would, I, I would play the the, the the sounder that we have. Oh yeah, it'd be very, very, very exciting. We we have lots of exciting music cues over here. Tony Katz at ninety three WIBC. Good morning. An opening of shooting ranges to boost interest in national defense. And I would say to myself, hot diggity. And now, another Second Amendment success story. You don't say you're sorry when you shoot someone. On Tony Katz Today. All right, it's on Tony Katz in the morning news. Listen, there's a lot of shows. I can't keep up. Normally, that would be me. This is a Second Amendment success story. Except this isn't happening here. This is happening as reported in Finland. Finland, Finland, Finland. The country where I want to be bony trekking or camping. Or just watching TV. Finland, Finland, Finland. It's the country for me. You're so near to Russia. So far from Japan, quite a long way from Cairo. Monty Python, can you do no wrong? Finland is opening 300 shooting ranges 
They want citizens taking a greater interest in national defense. So uh, the the story states that, and admittedly, this part I need to double check. Every male between the ages of 18 and 60 has to complete National Army service. But the hope here is that civilians will keep up their weapon skills. Why? Russia. Go on, take a look at a map. How often how often do I say this? Take a look at a map. This show uses more maps and show tunes than any other radio show in America. And there's Finland and oh there's Russia. There, there it is. There it is. You can throw a rock from Helsinki and hit St. Petersburg. Okay, you'd have to have a heck of an arm. But it's pretty close. All the way up to Murmansk, where if you're stationed in Murmansk, things are rough. Very, very rough. They see what's going on with Russia. They see the expansionist parts of Russia. Why some of these nations pushed to become NATO nations after always saying, nah, we're good. We're, 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 we're fine. We're, we're, we're clear. But realizing what Putin is all about, they're like, you know what? Eh, we're going we're gonna to join. Now, whether or not we should have had them join, different subject. This is about them in, in these nations uh, recognizing the threats and the issues. This is the proper response. Teach people about firearms, encourage them to take an interest in their national defense. Not what Moms Demand Action does, not how they try and scare students, not how they try and get students to see a gun and immediately wet themselves and run for the hills, but rather have an understanding of what firearms are and how to be safe and how how they engage protection. This is good. The government is looking to increase the number of ranges from approximately 600, 700 to 1,000. I have been asked more than once, what would it take to open a a gun range? And uh, from what I know, the answer is, oh, dear Lord, that is a lot of money to spend. (laughs) That is usually how it is responded, uh, how people respond when when I ask. And and I'm like, how come come you don't open a range? How come not that? Well... It's it's costly uh, measure, but this is good. This is very good, and I'm happy to see it. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. Finland is telling you to do it. Finland, 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 the country where I'm bound to be eating breakfast or dinner. Monty Python wouldn't lie to you. They just wouldn't. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. swamping them the way you win is by swamping them you got to have and we're going to swamp i'll tell you what i've 
I did great in the first election. I did much better in the second. We have I interesting news you. coming out of New York, by the way, the New York poll that Good. just came out, which we're going to get to. But Good. Mr. President, Kelly is in the audience and has a question about foreign aid. That's a uh, that's Laura Ingram changing the subject. It was it was it's it's so it's so great. Laura Ingram is just like, oh, you're bringing up 2020. Let me let me just change the subject just a bit. Very, very smooth. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Um, not smooth. This is this is true. This is Hunter Biden's attorneys saying that you keep saying you have this photo of Hunter Biden or of his laptop and and cocaine. That's not cocaine. I'm sorry. It's 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 not cocaine in the, in this photo. It did there there's there's a laptop, other electronics and there's cocaine. No, no, it's it's not cocaine. Um it's actually a photo of sawdust from an expert carpenter. Um what now? You're saying that it's it's sawdust. You're telling me that Hunter Biden in these photos isn't doing cocaine, isn't smoking crack. He 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 it it's it's sawdust. Are we only talking about one photo specifically? Because if the argument is that Hunter Biden hasn't been doing cocaine, well, that's hilarious. That is also a lie. But there's a part two. The part two is about an FBI informant. The FBI informant who the the claim is he's been charged with lying about a bribery scheme between Ukraine and uh, the Bidens. Well, now being revealed that he had contacts with Russian intelligence. Dear Lord, the Russians are into everything, I tell you. The um, informant, Alexander Smirnov, said during an interview that he uh, officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story about Hunter Biden. So, of course, the left has taken this in the most irresponsible way possible and said, why in the world are we even discussing Hunter Biden anymore? The whole story is 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 nonsense. Uh, the Republicans have just been duped by a Russian disinformation propaganda effort. It's over. You told me that no part of the Hunter Biden story is real and none of these people can be trusted. Now that they're making, one of them is making a claim, one is making a claim of having been in touch with the Russians. Now all of a sudden he's believable? That's, that is certainly a take. The extent to which Russia or China or any other country tries to uh, um, 
interfere in elections. Uh, we shouldn't deny that this, this happens and has been happening for years. And it's one of the reasons why we should not not have mail-in ballots, why we should make the voting system much more formalized, including the conversation about going back to paper ballots, that election a day should be an actual day, a 24-hour period, and we should not allow early voting at all. You only get there, by the way, if you win. Right now, if they ballot harvest, you have to ballot harvest. And if they ballot cure, you have to ballot cure. And if they're driving people to the polls, you have to drive people to the polls. You have to fight the way that they fight. And then you can make the changes to a rational, responsible voting system. Does mail-in voting guarantee fraud? No. Does it, it, does it only uh, allow for the opportunity? Yes. Why would anybody allow for the opportunity? Uh, because they want it. But the idea that somehow everything that we know about Hunter and Joe and the utilization of names and the deals and the phone calls, it all of a sudden doesn't exist anymore? Nah. I've supported the idea of an investigation from the beginning, and I still do. The investigation is necessary. And for the record, you can quote me, I have no proof, but we all understand that the cocaine found in the White House belonged to Hunter, right? He happened to be living at the White House for a couple of weeks, and that's when the cocaine was found. That was Hunter's. The Secret Service, we don't know how it got there. Nine million cameras. It was Hunter's. It was Hunter's Coke. I'm saying it was Hunter's Coke. That's all. Let us now discuss how that is not an argument. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Good to be with you. This is the argument about how the state has no say about the blue line. The voters spoke via the ballot box. I can go through many things in history where the voters spoke via the ballot box. It doesn't mean it should happen. But let's take a step back. What is the blue line? Well, the blue line is this dedicated bus nonsense. This dedicated bus nonsense started with the red line that went through Indianapolis. Oh, you know the red line. It looks like the The red line was an electric bus built by the Chinese, BYD, build your dreams, that didn't work. It didn't work in Albuquerque, where it was first tried, referred to by the Democrat mayor there as a lemon. They brought it to Indianapolis, knowing that it had issues with charging in the cold. We are colder than Albuquerque, New Mexico. Then we were going to build charging stations for where the bus was stopped so it would charge as it was resting. But that didn't work either. So now, of course, we have some diesel contraption and we took away travel lanes for cars. The red line, the blue line, the purple line is about taking cars off the road. 
the socialist, Jesse Brown, has been very clear about this. He's a city county councilor because Indianapolis, they like pain. It's about getting cars off the road. And when they bring people to object to a a conversation about the blue line that Senator Aaron Freeman has brought forth, maybe we shouldn't have dedicated bus lines. Maybe we should take a year pause. You're getting people killed. People die if we don't have dedicated bus lanes. No, they're making the argument for putting an end to cars. Cars to them are the enemy. This is exactly what Vision Zero does. Something adopted in Indianapolis comes from Sweden, and its purpose is to bring car accidents and car fatalities down to zero. You could argue that's an admirable goal, but the way that is done is by taking cars off the road. As I have argued more than once, I could end all traffic accidents in downtown Indianapolis after 5 p.m. Monday through Sunday if I said you're not allowed to drive a car after 5 p.m. Monday through Sunday. I could end all traffic accidents. This is what Brown and his cohort want to do. This isn't about dedicated bus lanes and having safety and security. It's about putting an end to your ability to gauge in transportation. I think that is a racist thing to do. It is bigoted to tell people that the only way they can travel is not by their own means, but but rather only by government means. You can only take this bus and you can only take it from this place to this place at these times that we prescribe to you. I think it is racist to tell a black man or a black woman they can't have their own car and drive as they see fit. What? That's what they're saying. Oh, they're saying it about white people too? Sure, but I like to focus on the racism part because let them figure out how to deal with it. Aaron Freeman, the senators, uh, state senator, said, we should take a look at this. We should engage whether or not this makes sense. And what, why are we allowing dedicated lanes? Well, we have to have the dedicated lanes because this is how we pitched it to the federal government. And this is how we're getting all the money for the improvements. And if we don't make this happen, we're going to lose the money for the improvements. How about the fact that it's not an improvement? It is detrimental to the ability to travel freely. Why is it that we have these people, these socialist nay communists, who are desperate, desperate to limit mobility? I find it offensive. I find it wholly un-American. Oh, and certainly racist. No, car lanes should not be bus only. Cars matter. Cars are good. I don't argue against bicycles. I don't argue against pedestrians. And I don't argue against safety. I do make the statement very clearly that mobility is important and cars have a value and roads are for cars. And there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs, as Thomas Sowell taught us. And the trade-off that they want to make these not only uh, bigots, these racists, but these bullies, the trade-off they want to make is you get no mobility. Now, why are they bullies? Because there were business owners on the east side who had real issues with the blue line. And then here comes an elected official supported by the president of the city county council, Vop Osley, with actual dollars for his campaign, threatening business owners. And then all of a sudden the business owners said, sorry, we don't want to be involved. Look, if this is what the community wants, please don't hurt us. You got to feel for them. You got to feel for them. But I don't think Hoosiers should be okay with bullying. Which brings us to this argument. This argument, I don't know Cam Hardy, transit nerd community activist. Okay, 
I, I, I don't know you, dude. Uh, uh, welcome to the show, man. I, I, I appreciate it. The voter spoke via the ballot box. That doesn't make it valuable, and that doesn't make it acceptable. And most importantly, because we can go through history and find things that are like, okay, this is what the voter said. Um, that's bigoted. We are not doing that. <laughs> uh, the voters voted. That's crazy. We are not doing that. This is an argument stating that the state has no rights. And I think the Indy Star tried to make this argument shamefully in, in a piece yesterday. Uh, look at all these people protesting against the blue line, speaking out against the blue line. The state should stay out of it. The state does get a say. Because when we take a look at um, how roads are utilized, well, the state has, uh, has a tremendous amount of say. You're making the argument that the state should have no say. If you want that to be the case, go about engaging that legislation where all of a sudden cities can do whatever they want regardless of the state. I'm, I, I'm saying you might find places where you disagree with that idea. The state has a say. To the idea that somehow these elected representatives should stay silent because, well, this is what Indianapolis wants. That's pretty odd. I, I, I would love to engage the conversation over a bourbon of where you start to regret that. The blue line should be gone. We should not have dedicated bus lanes. I never actually thought about it as the should we or should we not have dedicated bus lanes. I just, uh, uh, my opposition to the red line was about the destruction of business and, of course, uh, the, the lack of mobility. But in this conversation regarding bus lines, we should get rid of the blue line. And because there's been so much against Senator Aaron Freeman, who I've met a couple times, been nice enough to me. As I say, just because you've been nice to me doesn't mean you're, you're a nice or not nice person. I just... I, I say that as just a, a reference point. So many attacks. We're going to raise money. We're going to protest against him. We're going to run against him. Do that, which is, by the way, all fine. You know what I mean? Uh, that that that's all fine. Uh, how about I start doing fundraisers for Senator Aaron Freeman? I mean, why not? Just to just to you know even the playing field up. The blue line is a bad idea. A reduction of mobility is a bad idea. You bet it's a racist idea. Said it, meant it, can defend it, won't apologize for it. You figure it out. I don't know why Jesse Brown and the rest of his comrades are engaged in such bigotry in my view, but hey, you you can have the voters ask them that question. Mobility matters, and cities need mobility. We don't need bus-only lanes and the blue line, and the, and the red line, and the purple line, and do it today. And for the, uh, for the General Assembly, would you do me a favor and fight like you had a damn backbone? That'd be great. The biggest story in America. The border is a story about security. The border is a story about economics. The border is a story about culture. And there is no question that the southern border is under attack. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. 
As has been reported during the Biden administration so far, 7.2 million migrants have come across the border. Larger than the population of 36 states, as is reported. How could you not think this is dangerous? Tony, what's your issue with uh, immigration? Oh, none. Legal immigration, zero. Illegal immigration, massive. Flooding the system, not knowing who's coming into the country, massive. An unwillingness to do something about it, massive problems with that. Since October, there have been 20,000 Chinese migrants. We're talking about adult, able-bodied men. Anybody who thinks this is okay is out of their mind. Anybody who doesn't see this as dangerous is lying to themselves and to you. And then there is the Swanton sector. Oh, and I'm not talking about the southern border. I'm talking about the northern border. Where we have issues. Swanton is uh, Vermont and some other states. We've got all these sectors all across uh, the country. You've got part of New York, Vermont, part of New Hampshire in the Swanton sector. And there you've got people coming across the border on the regular. 12,200 migrants, as reported, illegally crossed into the U.S. at the northern border last year. 70% occurred in the Swanton sector. You want to pretend that we have a safe and secure border? You, 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 you can. You, you, you can clearly, clearly show that we have a dangerous border to the north and the south and an administration that will do nothing about it. Zero. It is the biggest story in America, it is bigger than everything else because it connects to everything else. You want to talk about Israel and Hamas? It connects to the southern border and who's crossing the border. You want to talk about economics? It connects to the border. You want to talk about cultural and how we engage in American way of life? It connects to the border. Just does. And we're not the only people talking about it. The popcorn moment. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's a story you need to hear to believe. Then grab your popcorn because there is more. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, is not running for re-election. Not running uh, for president on some third party uh, ticket. And no one in his party is listening to him, no matter how much he might make sense. To the conclusion that after I saw what happened, what, 10 days ago or so, when the vote for on the Senate for security of the border, a secured vote in the border, which is what our Republican colleagues desired to happen. They, they pressed that and they said, we're not going to vote on any aid until we secure our border. I agreed with that. I think President Biden has been wrong on the border. He, uh, he it's, his, it's his responsibility, no matter what his reasoning was, to maybe help people around the world who've been displaced by the pandemic. But he's come to the table now. He understands the gravity of what we're dealing with and the danger. And he's willing to accept and he helped negotiate a very good bill that secures the border. Stops. The idea that Biden can even be pushed 
would be great, but it's not true. Biden can't be pushed. The party won't be pushed. Well, Republicans wouldn't pass the legislation from the Senate. Yeah, it wasn't great legislation. Build out the wall. Get the technology for the areas where you don't have the wall. Let's just start with those two things. Clean bill does those two things. It'll pass the House and the Senate. Then, by the way, we can talk about funding for Ukraine and other places. It's right there. It's right there, clear as day. Let's get that done. Let's see if Democrats will do that. My God, let's see if I can get Republicans to actually put that forward. They did put together HB2. The Senate refused to move on it. If we want to talk about who's holding up border security and all. be just one member of the royal family I like. Just just one. Am I asking for too much? Just one. Tony Katz. 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Prince William, not the one married to Meghan Markle, uh, the, the normal one, or so I thought. He has decided to come out and call for an end of the war in Gaza. What, you're going to call on Hamas to surrender and return the hostages? Oh, no. No, no, no. Not doing that. You need to increase the humanitarian support for Gaza. And the sheer scale of human suffering sometimes shows us, quote, the importance of permanent peace. So any uh, any conversation to be had about Hamas and their murder of Israelis and setting babies on fire and holding hostages. Is is there going to be any uh, discussion of this? The prime minister, Rishi Sunak, uh, he's got a spokesperson saying that the prince's comments, quote, echo those that you have previously heard from the prime minister as well. We want to see an end to the fighting in Gaza as soon as possible. So it is consistent with the government position, and we welcome that intervention. People are not happy because this is not usually where the royals engage, engaging in policy, uh, this this directly. You want to see an end to the fighting in Gaza? That'd be great. I'm in. Where is the push to put an end to Hamas? Swing and a miss from Prince William. Then Speaker Pelosi goes on uh, the the talk circuit, engaged in in a conversation on something called Conflict Zone, that's what it says, with a British reporter. I'm not familiar with uh, every single British reporter, mind you. And, well, this conversational make you fume. Isn't the danger for the U.S. that if you don't like what Israel is doing, and the president has made it clear that some of what Israel is doing he doesn't like, and and you go on supplying them with hardware to do those things, you own this operation every bit as much as they do, don't you? No, we don't. We don't. We have always supported Israel as our national security friend, largely because it was in our interest to do so. At largely because it was in Jusa. We had shared values at only democracy uh, in the region. 
uh, the behavior of Netanyahu is, in my view, inexcusable in terms of how it has affected the collateral damage to children and families and the rest. But nobody can take away the right of any country to defend itself. It has been brutally attacked in that way. Uh, the uh, 28,000 Palestinian lives is more than self-defense, yeah. isn't it? It's more than self-defense. So for Speaker Pelosi, oh, former Speaker Pelosi, first, um, way to be an ally. And secondly, you understand from the reporter there, he doesn't accept the idea of defense. He takes a, a number from the Gaza Health Ministry, which is Hamas, quotes it like it's gospel, and decides that's unacceptable. Not what Hamas did, what Israel does. And you sit there like a grinning freak, accepting that bigotry. I am looking forward to the trip. I leave a week from today. I will uh, land in Tel Aviv, and uh, I, I'm not giving out full itinerary yet. Uh, but uh, we are uh, we will be talking, exploring, engaging, showing. Uh, there will be audio dispatches that you'll hear throughout the shows, video that will be coming back to WIBC.com, all of it. Sponsorship's now available. Um, we're going to tell the story, man. We're going to tell the story and spread it as wide as we can. I'm glad I'm getting this chance to go. Um, it's the first time for me in 30 some odd years. It will not be the last by any stretch because much more has to be done to push back against bigotry that the former Speaker of the House is just lapping right up and actually being a part of pushing out. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. I learned about the story when you did. The story about an Indiana couple, as reported by Fox News, that had their child taken from them by child services because they wouldn't use pronouns for the kid. Wanted to call himself uh, different pronouns, utilize a different name, and the parents said no. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning, and so now there is a court case. The Supreme Court is being asked to uh, intervene here. This couple versus the Indiana Department of Child Services. I didn't know about this case until yesterday. I found out when you found out. The reporting states that because the family, the the, the husband and the wife would not utilize specific pronouns the child was taken away because indiana officials began investigating they removed the child a teenager from their custody and placed the child in a quote gender affirming home as i discussed earlier i have questions 
first, do we have the story accurate? Do we have the story correct regarding what has happened? Fox News Digital requested comment from the Indiana Department of Child Services, and the response was DCS does not comment on ongoing litigation. I don't think they made that up, which would make one think that there is indeed ongoing litigation. If in the state of Indiana, children are being removed from the homes of their parents because parents will not give in to a child's issues, and thinking that you are a girl when you're a boy is an issue. Gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. It should be treated as such. It shouldn't be coddled. It shouldn't be hugged. It should be dealt with. I make no um, statement discussing whether this is easy. No part of me thinks that any of this is easy. These pressures from society, this brutality of a system, I don't argue that it is easy. But families standing up to this pressure should be applauded, not vilified. And if the state of Indiana took a child from a home because of pronouns, Indiana's Department of Child Services should be disbanded. People should go to jail. As I relayed uh, last hour, producer Carl is going to be reaching out to the governor's office every hour to get a comment. There's no silence here, Governor Holcomb. None. I'm surprised I haven't heard from the attorney general yet. I don't know if the attorney general, Todd Rokita, even knows of the case yet. Although, by now, I have to assume he's gotten the same emails that I have. Children don't get to decide certain things. And it is abusive to think that they can. They cannot decide their gender. They cannot decide to have some surgery to remove their breasts or any other part of them. They cannot take puberty blockers or these other irreversible medicines on their own. They can't. The parent has a role to play. And children need to be protected more often than not from themselves. And certainly from abusive adults who want to abuse them. And if the Indiana Department of Child Services is taking children from parents because they won't use a pronoun, that is supportive of the abuse. I say this as a parent on a very public forum and I'm fully aware that people might engage in acts of retribution against me. How dare that Tony Katz? We're aware of this all the time here. But the truth will be spoken no matter what. Children taken from parents who won't use pronouns is an obscenity. People need to get fired. The governor needs to intervene. The attorney general needs to intervene. What am I missing about this case? What am I missing here? Because if it is as reported, the Indiana Department of Child Services provides no value and is a threat to parents across the state. I think threats should be removed, eliminated, and thus the department should be completely gutted, gone, goodbye. Now you say to me, but what about the good work they do? It's amazing how quickly good works can be uh, turned on their head. How all the good works in the world 
don't matter when you make a mistake this egregious, except, of course, I don't know if they think this is a mistake and they think this is a value. Where is Governor Eric Holcomb? Where's the General Assembly? Where is the Attorney General? Comments not only welcome, but demanded. We will keep our eyes on this story and we will demand answers. We're calling every hour for comment. When we get it, we'll bring it to you. social you'll see more and more insanity about the blue line there was a vote you lost okay indianapolis is the one that's losing all we're trying to do is try and help dedicated bus lanes don't take away from cars of course they do by definition they do oh it's just a small delay you can live with it why Why should the business owners? And then, of course, the ever-popular, I never threatened any businesses. Sure, dude, you got it. I've been wanting to get rid of the red line, the blue line, the purple line since since its inception. These are bad ideas, bad for business. Why do you want to get rid of buses? No one's getting rid of buses. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. No one's getting rid of buses, as I've stated many times. If I wanted to get rid of the buses, I would lose that battle. I would lose that battle. This is about dedicated bus lanes for electric buses that never came to be, that do damage businesses. Oh, look at the studies that show how the property values increase. No one uses the the red line. It doesn't have a usage. Well, that was because of COVID. The bus is a 20th century solution for a 21st century problem. If you were talking about real solutions, I'd be all over it. By the way, I'm not a bus guy. Uh, No one wants the bus. But trams and trains and all that, I love that stuff. Used to, when I lived in D.C., years ago, took the Metro all the time. Metro was incredible. Now, dangerous as all get out, which is awful. Because the Metro is an incredible way to get around that city. You know what Indianapolis is not? Washington, D.C. Maybe this push for all the public transportation in the world doesn't actually connect to the reality on the ground. And without question, and the thing that none of them will admit, of course it's about getting cars off the road. This is what they want. It is about limiting mobility, and I will oppose in every single way limiting mobility. I apologize for nothing. But this brings us to uh, the General Assembly, which has delayed a vote on the blue line because of the testimony uh, that they heard. Oh, we didn't have many people speaking out in favor of the blue line. Maybe that's because of the threats they get. I don't know. But what you do have is the state now saying, you know that Mile Square Tax District, which is, of course, criminally insane? Well, we were opposed to it, but now... Now we might let it happen. This tax district, this economic enhancement district, said to the the people who have property in the mile square, you pay more. 
what are you going to do with it? Oh, we're going to claim that it's going to really beautify the city. And the chamber's in favor and others. You pay. We'll decide what to do with it. That that works out great. Again, again, I'll say Indianapolis, uh, you vote for these things. You vote for these people. You, What do you want from me? I promised myself I wouldn't get worked up. All I do is note the issue. I share with you what I think should happen. But you vote for this stuff. You're the ones who have to live with it. I don't know why you don't fight for your own, you know, freedom of mobility. I don't know why you fight for your own dollars. Or or is it you don't care because it's somebody else's problem? Ah, let them suffer. That's just weird stuff. So the city county council had voted along party lines to create this economic enhancement district, boundaries of the mile square. And these people who uh, who own properties in it, uh, they would pay these uh, advanced fees. So then there was a move uh, by the state to say, hey, we're not going to allow this. You can't just create a tax district. You see, that's the state saying this is our purview, not a city's purview. Oh, my gosh, the state's getting involved. There are times where I think the state gets involved and I don't quite understand it. There are times where the state wants to jump in. I'm like, I don't I don't know what your what your point is here. But the idea that there's no role for the state, laughable. La- I get it. You want to turn Indianapolis into a Madison, Wisconsin, or a Berkeley. Well, that's California. It's the whole place. A Madison, Wisconsin. Don't be surprised when the state says, wait a second here. You're all nuts. So it was going to be uh, the, the, this enhanced economic district, this tax district, was going to be pushed aside. Now there's an amendment... Uh, that changes how the tax might work. It gives another seat to an advisory board, so the governor gets a third member, allows for the tax district to be drawn larger than the mile square, although boundaries would have to be equal on each side. So the state is going to say, well, you can't just do it to the mile square, but if you want to create a big old tax district, we're cool with that. I think the whole thing should have been thrown out. We will continue to follow. I, I understand uh, that the chamber in downtown Indy want uh, this and want the amendment and, and they desperately want the tax district. They're wrong. I understand that they want it, but they are wrong in every single way. They are wrong. So we'll see what the state does. We'll see how this... Uh, this, uh, what is it called? Oh, that's right. Supermajority. We'll see how they act. See if they, see if they stand up or not. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. We have your I found this poll to be unsurprising. And it's because it, the poll is, 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 is about posturing. It does not engage what people will really do. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. On Tony Katz today, I'm going to get into American Airlines raising their bag fees. Please stop making flying so impossible. It's all I ask. Why you do... Every day there's something else. You take all the government subsidies and you increase the fees and you make the experience less pleasurable and the TSA is as abusive as the day is long. 
Good Lord. And then uh, producer Carl sent me a story about a passenger on, on, a, on a plane. This was a United flight from San Francisco to Boston. It had to land in Denver. The wing was coming apart. Coming apart. I mean, there are photos. I, I, I leave for Israel on, on Wednesday, next Wednesday. It's a, it's a 12 hour flight. Maybe, maybe uh, if we could just take the week and not share these stories with me, that'd be fantastic. I'd appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Just, ah. The polling stated that in New York, that people would vote for Trump over Biden. Jewish voters like Trump over Biden by nine points. Nothing about that poll is surprising whatsoever. If we were to make some kind of claim that in the main, Jews have an affinity for Israel, and you see how Biden has treated Israel, you would say Trump was better for Israel, and you'd say that uh, there there is uh, support for, for Trump over Biden. Show me where that takes place in a general election. The problem with polling, and especially polling like this, is that this is about making yourself feel good. This isn't about how you will actually vote when the moment comes. I have zero belief that Jews in New York, Democrats, are going to say, nope, I got to vote for Trump, not Biden, if indeed it is Trump versus Biden. I, no way, shape, or form do I believe such a thing. And I think believing such a thing is insane. But saying so on a poll makes sense because it's about a visceral reaction to something happening now. Those same people, when the, when the time comes in November and they walk into their polling place, assuming they didn't vote early, you know what they're going to say? Man, that Joe Biden is terrible for Israel and clearly is on the side of Hamas. But abortion, click for Democrats. That's what's going to happen. So the idea that people would put stock in this, big, big, big mistake. I got asked yesterday, and it is the right question, how does the Republican Party plan to combat the abortion conversation in 2024? All this talk about Trump or Biden, no conversation about Senate races, no conversation about congressional races, no conversation about governor's mansions, no conversations about state houses, no conversations about city council races, no conversations about school board races. You want to talk about the problems with the Republican Party. They're focused on one thing, one thing only. That's the presidency. They don't care about anything else where actual governing gets done. It's a mistake on mistake on mistake. But then again, populism is a mistake. So here we are. But how do you combat the abortion conversation? 
thought it was a solid question. Because if we take a look at 2022, abortion won the day for Democrats. Well, you overturned Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision. And for 50 some odd years, the political left told you that abortion is religion. And then you took people's religion away from them and they went out of their heads. How in the world, how in the world do you, do you push back on that? What is the plan there? Now, I should tell you, and I, I, I should, I, I, I have ideas on how to do this. But I thought the question was great because where is the Republican Party on this? Where is the Republican Party on winning? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't see it. We talk about the money that gets spent by the RNC, which is broke, by the way. Everything, is, I don't know how much money is actually going from donations to Trump, for example, to his legal bills versus actually running for office. But in the RNC, the money is not there. Another reason why Rona McDaniel has to go. But there seems to be no money for down ticket races, no money for Senate races, no money for any of these things. None. What is the message? Trump and nothing but? That's the whole message? The entirety of the message? Not keeping your money in your pocket? Not uh, economic security? Not border security? Uh, not security for your, for your family? Not about a better way of life? Not about a, a path forward uh, to allowing you and, and your kids a more freedom and more opportunity? No conversation with black voters about being the first generation of black Americans to have wealth to leave to other generations in in a large scale and how they should be able to keep it. No conversation with Hispanic voters regarding the need for border security and the abuses of illegal immigration towards you who may have actually worked the system to be here legally. there's, there's nothing. Abortion? Not not even a thought process in how to engage that conversation. So we can keep talking about how Trump's going to win South Carolina. is going to be the nominee. Great. Are we going to talk about winning at all? Because I, I think we should talk about winning. And just like this poll... Every conversation about Trump is inconsequential. We have to talk about winning. These New Yorkers might say they favor Trump over Biden. Jewish voters. That will not be the case when they enter the polling place. Republicans better be ready for that. Matt Baer has got traffic. What's up, Matthew? How bad is it? Don't sugarcoat it. Give it to me straight. Want coffee? I think I need some coffee. Time to fill up on the news. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Fill up on the news presented by Absolute Wealth Management, LLC, the Absolute Wealth Retirement Planning Show. Sundays, 9 a.m. WIBC and WIBC.com. Uh, Dow Futures down 82. NASDAQ down 115. Big thanks to all the people now following on social media. Talk about the blue line. Everyone's got something to say and 
once again, we are we are the conversation starters. Beyond Meat is launching a healthier version of its burger in a bid to win back customers. Now, are, are you are you telling me that their burger that had no meat wasn't healthy? Is this the argument that their burger, the whole push to fake meat, how much better it is for you wasn't healthy? So Beyond Meat, which had hit big when it when it started, fell off. Meat alternatives, uh, the retail sales falling off 33% compared with a year ago. Third quarter, sales fell 29%. And that happening over the last two years. The stock had valued the company four and a half years ago at $14 billion. It's now $463 million. So maybe, maybe that, that, that earlier conversation about the $14 billion was uh, faulty. So they're now uh, uh, engaging a reformulation. The original burger was launched in 2016. It uses avocado oil, which cuts the saturated fat fat by 60% to two grams, and they cut the sodium. So it has less fat and less salt. Sounds delicious. I don't know. uh, A full disclosure. I I have zero against the concept. I, I am I am a meat guy. For 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 the record, um, I I I I am fine with me. If if you haven't met me, if if you didn't know, I'm a guy who is a really really big fan of um of steak. Cooking a steak, wouldn't it be great? You could be my mate. Cooking a steak. For goodness sake, will you please be my mate and come and cook a steak? Steak. We play that every Monday because uh, Indianapolis doesn't want you to eat meat on a Monday. Oh, no, all about the meatless Monday. Uh, I don't like this attack on uh, on restaurants, so uh, we, uh, we, we, we celebrate the meat. We celebrate eating meat on a, a, a Monday. Now, on Fridays, if you don't want to eat meat, well, okay, certain times of the year, we will allow that. That's, that's totally fine. Got no problem. Not coming from government. <laughs> we're, we're good with it. If you want to eat Beyond Meat, go right ahead. If you like it, have it. But I do think it's interesting that they had to reformulate to engage the idea of healthy, which would have been, of course, I would have figured the entire marketing. But people saw that it wasn't. Just like electric vehicles. It's not that it can't be out there. It's just not for everybody. And you can't force it on people no matter how hard you try. They just don't want it. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Beyond Meat here. Maybe they've got a great future. Maybe it's all going to work out well for them. Maybe, uh, maybe not. That's what's going on. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning.
people don't think I should be able to make an argument. I'm going to engage an opinion. Red line doesn't work. Blue line won't work. It's, I cannot believe the anger. The absolute, how dare you disagree with this? The red line doesn't work. The blue line's a bad idea. We shouldn't do these things in Indianapolis. And of course it's about getting cars uh, off the road. You don't have a right to say anything. You should shut up. The same people who publish my home address. They're going to tell me how to be decent. It's oh, it's a treat. Tony Katz. 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, we are and have reached out to the governor's office. We are reaching out to the attorney general's office reaching out uh, to the General Assembly to find out what is true, what is the story, as reported to Fox News, about this Indiana couple that had their child taken from them by the Indiana Department of Child Services because they wouldn't use the proper pronoun. Child removed and placed with a family... Uh, I I should say a quote-unquote gender-affirming home. A boy who claimed they were a girl, uh, wanted to use pronouns, wanted to use a name, and the family said no. You remove that child? We need answers. And as I have stated throughout the morning, as I have stated throughout the morning, if the story, if the reporting is accurate, because I, I think that's that's the first step, there's no need for the Indiana Department of Child Services. This is, this is an abusive organization. If you're taking children away from parents because they won't use a pronoun, they shouldn't use a pronoun. They shouldn't. If you're putting them in a place where, oh, here's your pronouns and here's the medicines that you could take, even though you're a 14-year-old, that's abusing children. Why would the state of Indiana ever allow such a thing? And I think it's going to anger some people that I start with, first, what's legit about this reporting? What is legitimate about this reporting, I want that's the first part. Do we have every part of it accurate? I am not accusing Fox News of not reporting it properly. I want to make sure we've got the backup on it from uh, either the governor's office, Department of Child Services, uh, others who may uh, have have some knowledge. I found about out about the story yesterday when you did. I did not see this story in any Indiana publications. It was not brought to me. It got released by Fox. I've been talking about it all morning. Every hour, actually. So, uh, Attorney General Todd Rakita, Governor Eric Holcomb, we want the answers to the questions. What exactly is the case here? Did child services remove a child from a home because the parents wouldn't use pronouns? If that happened, 
That is abusive from the Department of Child Services, and the Department of Child Services needs to be ripped apart, gone, done. You say to me, well, Tony, what about the good work they do? If you're taking children from parents, all that good work, poof, gone. It's like the end of the usual suspects, gone. So we need to know the answer here. We need to understand what took place here. This story goes back to 2019. The investigation, according to the reporting from Child Services, began in 2021. Now, this may go in front of the Supreme Court. We want to know the story. We want answers to the questions. And we're going to keep reaching out to the governor's office until we get an answer. He's not commenting on this? Yeah, he is. I only assume the Attorney General's office is going to comment on this. I would assume that questions should be asked to gubernatorial candidates. Now, I I will tell you, uh, full disclosure, we've started our interviews with with, uh, those candidates. We're doing one-hour sit-downs with them. Not every question exactly the same. Uh, some people asking this, some people asking that. Um, because of how we've done the other interviews, and because we're already into it, for the sake of the interview series I'm doing, this question won't be asked. But it will be asked outside of that interview series in other interviews. Every, every single candidate should be on record with where they are with this. The role of child services... And are they actually protecting children? Because it seems to me that if you're going to put a child in a home that's going to let you claim you're a girl when you're a boy, that's not actual care. That's abuse. Abuse. And we should call it abuse. We should say it is what it is what it is. And we should push back against it. And we should fight against that level of viciousness. This is going to go to the Supreme Court. Okay, speaking of the Supreme Court, a dissent from Samuel Alito that was brutal because the Supreme Court was asked to take a look at a case regarding Virginia high schools and their admissions program and the allegation that it discriminates against Asian Americans. So it was Thomas Jefferson High School. Uh, They appealed to the Supreme Court claiming that uh, the school imposes a roundabout way of filtering for race admissions, they say violates the 2023 ruling from the Supreme Court on affirmative action in college admissions. Supreme Court decided not to hear it. And Samuel Alito, joined by Clarence Thomas, went nuts, calling the lower court decision, the Fourth Circuit decision, patently incorrect and dangerous. And, And I'm quoting... What the Fourth Circuit majority held, in essence, is that intentional racial discrimination is constitutional so long as as it is not too severe. This reasoning is indefensible, and it cries out for correction. Dude, there are times the court does not take cases the court is supposed to take. And sometimes it doesn't do it because they want the case brought in a different way that that maybe uh, some feel will give them the opportunity to make effective change. If you're implementing quotas and keeping people who are Asian from even being able to apply to the Ivy Leagues, that's gross. Then again, stop applying to the Ivy Leagues.
Let's change the whole concept. I will try and get to that on Tony Katz today at noon. I will catch you then.